Okay, Gun Talk podcast listener, you know how they say there's no free lunch? Well, there's no free podcast either. Now, I'm asking you to do a couple of things. First, visit GunTalk.tv to see hundreds of short videos we shot on shooting instruction and gun info. Hey, we put a lot of work into these, and I'm sure you're going to like them. That's GunTalk.tv. Next, I'd ask that you tell some of your friends about Gun Talk Radio and direct them to the podcast. You'll look smart and connected, and you'll be doing them a favor. Hey, thanks for the help. A girl can't go wrong with something in basic black, like an AR-15. Some things never go out of style, like Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Hey, welcome again to Gun Talk. Tom Gresham here just got in from the Field Sport Wing Shooting School up in Traverse City, Michigan, uh, to check that out, uh, Field Sport Ltd. FieldSportLTD.com. Brian Belinsky puts on a great school there for two weeks. It's a two-day school, but he does it through two weeks and cycles through several different people. Uh, in fact, tomorrow they're going to do something very interesting. Brian and his instructors have volunteered, and they're doing their family school. This is the first time they've done this. And if an adult size signs up for the wing shooting school, the two-day wing shooting school, he or she can bring a youngster some between the ages of 12 and 17, and the youngster goes through the class for free. And this is about a $1,000 school. So this is a big deal. This is Brian's contribution. It's him stepping up. He's, he definitely has a no-shrug attitude about this, of getting more people involved. One of the things he said that was very interesting, he said, he says, you know, you don't have to bring in 100 people to shooting, but you need to, at the very least, Replace yourself. As we get older, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're getting older. Uh, we need to replace yourself. Have somebody else come along and become a shooter or a hunter, but certainly a shooter. So uh, had a real good time up there. We'll be posting a bunch of the videos that we shot there on Gun Talk TV where you can see all. We've got 350 videos there. Most of them are, for, are free for your viewing. GunTalk.tv. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS. I was talking about this thing that happened in uh the Oklahoma City area, where they had uh, killings of two young people and people who owned 40 caliber guns were asked to bring them in voluntarily and have them tested <sighs> to see to, tested to make sure that they're not the killer. Does anybody see something wrong with this? Does anybody see a logic failure in this? And a spokesperson for uh, the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigation said, well, talk about because some people didn't bring theirs in. There were 15 or so gun owners on the list who did not show up. And uh, OBSI, Oklahoma, I guess it's State Bureau of Investigation, is going to go see why they didn't volunteer for the test firings. Quote, they can have any number of reasons for not volunteering, Brown said. They could be against it. They could be anti-government, or they eventually may want to help. Well, Ms. Brown, you know, there's another option. They could actually be familiar with the Fourth and the Fifth Amendments to the United States Constitution. They could simply say, no, 
thank you. I got a real problem with this one, I'll tell you. Let's go to the phones. Line three, JJ is with us out of Texas. Hello, JJ. Hi, I want your advice on a small, concealable 10, 40, or 45, something in a subcompact, uh, but something dependable with some stopping power. Okay, uh, you're a police officer, right? Yes. What do you carry? What caliber do you carry? What kind of gun do you carry? Uh, department issued SIG is my primary, and right now I have a Glock model 2240 caliber as a backup, but that's a little bulky. Hmm. Uh, I was thinking maybe even a smaller Glock 45. A small Glock 45 or even a 40 would certainly work. The little baby Glock 26, uh, 27, and I think it's like is a 30, is the 45. Uh, those are very nice pistols. Certainly will will work for you. Uh, I applaud you in, in wanting to keep it in a 40 or 45, something like that, and rather than dropping down to the really small calibers. Because a lot of people say, well, I'll get something really small. And, you know, not being aware as you are, I'm sure that if you need your backup gun, you're already in a really bad place, right? Yes, and I've seen too many people literally walk into ER rooms with, Nine millimeter holes in them. A nine millimeter just doesn't stop. I want mm-hmm. something with good transfer of energy. Okay. I would say if you are comfortable with the Glock, the baby Glocks, those are certainly possibilities. Um, a little bit larger are the compact um, Smith & Wesson M&Ps, but they are definitely a step larger. They're more like a midsize, if you will, than the really small ones. So uh, the little Glocks are actually pretty nice. I, I, I don't think you can go wrong there. Well, the only problem I've had with Glocks is I've noticed with the Glock 22, if you don't have, if you don't have a really straight, uh, rigid grip on it, they mm-hmm. do tend to stovepipe. Do the baby Glocks do that also? All of them will, and it happens even more so with the baby Glocks, and here's why. You've got to have a stronger spring because you've got a shorter slide. And so with this stronger spring, you absolutely have to have resistance on the frame itself to give some resistance so the slide can come back and work against that. It's a, it's a great point because if you're going to your backup gun, there's an absolutely really good chance you're on the ground. You're fighting. You've lost your primary gun. You're, you're, you're involved in a really bad fight at this point. And you may not be able to have a good firm grip and get your shoulder behind it and get enough resistance on that gun and as you say, it may stovepipe, it can malfunction, you end up with a single shot. And frankly, and I'm gonna this is where I was gonna go with this, it's one of the reasons that a lot of the professionals I know, no matter what they carry for their primary, they're carrying a revolver for their backup gun. And a revolver in three fifty seven magnum is quite the package. Now it's not fun to practice with, but it won't stovepipe and it'll go bang every time you pull the trigger, no matter how you got a hold of it. What about these? I've heard about these little air lights. Yep, uh, you got little air lights. Uh, Smith and Wesson and Taurus both make super lightweight, uh, either thirty-eight or three fifty-seven revolvers. Uh, Smith has them in scandium, and I mean we're talking twelve ounces for the revolver. Now, trust me, you do not want to shoot full house three fifty-seven magnum loads in that. For practice, I would practice with light thirty-eights. Stoke it up with 357s because if you have to use it in, in, as a backup gun, you won't care about the recoil or the noise at that point. You'll just be glad it goes bang every time. Honestly, I have really come around to where I'm liking uh, two-inch barrel uh, hammerless revolvers as backup guns. I, I just like them a lot. 
No, and I, I agree with the load. In fact, one time I even warped a 19 because I fed it too much 257. So, no. uh, but anyway, thank you for your help, and I appreciate it. All right, stay safe out there, J.J. Appreciate it. J.J.'s police officer over in Texas. Uh, line four, Steen's with us out of Bossier City, Louisiana. Hey, Steen. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I'm fixing to get a 4570, an H&R 1871 Buffalo. Cool. We have new primitive weapon uh, rigs for our hunting season here, and not very primitive, but not really. Yeah. No, but I have uh, now. I have a Simmons three to nine forty four mag scope mm-hmm. that works great for my thirty thirty. Mm-hmm. Where what will it do on this forty five seventy? It'll be fine. Uh, you know, the forty five seventy uh, is not m- a whole lot more powerful in terms of recoil than the thirty thirty. Especially with standard factory loads, because the standard factory loads on the 4570 are actually loaded down quite a bit. Now, you can hand load them up and make them really roar, but if you're going to be shooting factory loads, you're not going to feel much more recoil out of that than you do out of your 3030. Okay, I'd never shot one and didn't. That was my question, the recoil, whether, now, whether it, it can handle it. It'll yeah. work just fine. Just, you know, good, obviously good quality scope mounts and tighten them down real well, and you know, you're good to go. You're not going to have a problem at all. I've been shooting for 50 years. I never joined the NRA until a month ago because of your show and what I hear and what you've done. I appreciate every bit of it. Well, all I can say is I appreciate it, and and thank you for joining us because, frankly, if you're not uh, helping pull the wagon, you're in the wagon letting everybody else pull it for you. So welcome aboard. Thank you for grabbing a hold of the rope and helping us pull this sucker along. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. I'm Tom Gresham. This is Gun Talk. Your AR-15 should be a sound investment, and Stag Arms has you covered. Made from forged aircraft-quality aluminum, Stag is one of the most durable and dependable rifles in the world. Makers of the only true left-handed carbine, Stag Arms has been tested and battle-proven by elite SWAT teams. Every component is made in the USA, so you get the highest quality, whether left or right-handed. Each Stag Arms rifle carries a lifetime warranty, too. Call 860-229-9994 or go online at stagarms.com. You want the newest rifle innovations, and that's what the Smith & Wesson iBolt rifle delivers. From the match-grade barrel to the one-piece weaver scope mount, this gun defines the next generation of rifles. Your iBolt rifle includes patented features such as the easy-turn bolt release, true set trigger so you can set it the way you want it, recoil reduction chamber, X-bed stock design, its stronger, lighter, and flush sling mounts. Get the details on the iBolt rifle from Smith & Wesson. Visit smith-wesson.com. If you want to shoot better or help someone get into shooting, check out GunTalkTV.com. This is Tom Gresham. For firearms basics as well as advanced instruction, you don't have to leave home. It's called Gun Talk TV, and it's firearms video instruction online at GunTalkTV.com. That's GunTalkTV.com. You'll find all kinds of instruction, plus lots of gun safety video at GunTalkTV.com. Ten ring! Yeah! Now that's an accurate rifle. Accuracy. It's what you want in a rifle. At Savage Arms, we make accurate rifles. Team Savage competes and wins in 1,000-yard shooting competitions with our factory guns. 
and their championship-winning factory rifles are made right alongside of yours. Whether it's for firemen or target shooting, hunting or law enforcement, Savage Arms is the definition of accuracy. To find out more, go to SavageArms.com. Browning has been the leader in auto-loading shotguns from the very beginning, starting 90 years ago with John M. Browning's famous Auto 5. But Browning designers haven't been sitting still. Their new model, the Gold, redefines what a gas-operated shotgun should be. In wing shooting, feel is the key, and the Gold flies to the shoulder with a liveliness never before seen in an autoloader. The shorter, lighter-weight receiver puts the balance between the hands, where the top shooters want it. And the short piston stroke makes for an extremely clean shooting gun. The Browning Gold adjusts automatically to any load, from one-ounce target ammo to heavy three-inch magnums. And unlike some 20s which are built on a heavy 12-gauge frame, the Gold 20 is a true 20-gauge, using its own smaller action. Of course, all Gold shotguns exhibit the high quality and attention to detail that shooters everywhere have come to expect from Browning. Discover the new standard, the Gold standard in auto-loading shotguns. Check out the Gold 12 and 20 at your local Browning dealer. We're having some fun during the break here. Oh, we're giving heart. Okay, it's duck season. No, not quite. It's almost getting there. We're having some fun. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, and we're pretty much open lines. If you got a question or a comment about a gun, by all means, jump in here. If you want to get into shooting and you don't know how, we can help you out. We'll, uh, we'll hold your hand through the process, and we'll get you started. Let's see. Line two. Johnny's with us out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Johnny, you're on Gun Talk. All right. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'd just like to make a comment about uh, the people that brought their firearms in for testing in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, uh, when I got back stateside in 91, uh, I made it a point to find people, uh, find businesses that aren't wimpy, you know, and would not do something about what you're talking about. So, Anyway, my comment is that people need to buy their firearms from businesses that are locally owned and operated, and you can get to know the people that work there, the people that own the the business, and buy from them. There's only a couple of places here in Shreveport that I would buy from, and, uh, well, one of those is the Clarks. Uh, They're not wimpy people. They would never give in to something like that without a court order or a warrant. Anyway, that, and, and I'd also like to say people need to get a copy of Boston's Gun Bible. It has a lot of good information just about uh, exactly about that kind of a situation. A copy of what? Boston's Gun Bible. Boston's Gun Bible. Okay. Right. All right. Listen, I appreciate it, Johnny. In fact, I was over at the Clarks last week. I'm, I'm not quite a week ago. Uh, dropping off uh, a gun to have some work. Actually, two guns having worked on them. Doing a, a trigger job on one and doing a little... Uh, Work on an AR over there. Nice folks, yeah. Good, good, good folks there at Clark Custom Guns in Princeton. I always say Shreveport, but it's actually just a little bit east of Shreveport in Princeton, Louisiana. Good, good gunsmiths. Nice people there. Not line one, Joe's with us out of Kansas City. Hey, Joe. Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I was sure. just calling about the concealed carry permit. I, I was told that Florida and Utah would be two permits non-resident that would be good to have because they was good in several different states. And uh, I was also told that Florida would be good here in this state. 
That all depends. What state are we talking about? Because they've got Kansas City Mo and Kansas City, Kansas. Both states. In both states. I I was told that it was not good in either state. Uh, I don't know offhand if you go to, I tell you what, I can give you a website where you can look it up, though. I went to those websites, and the website said that it was good in, in this state. So who's telling you it's not good? The Sheriff's Department. Don't ask the Sheriff's Department. They don't know. Trust me on this one. They don't They don't know what the law is. Well, uh, I, I, I agree with you on that. So what I did, I called the uh, Department of Revenue the ones that issue the concealed carry permit. Okay. And and they told me it was not good in this state. Call the uh call the state police and find out. Uh okay. now now what what are they saying? They're saying that the non-resident is the part that they're having a problem with? Right. Right. Huh. And 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 that's that's my question. What's what's the difference? I mean, if uh, I, I mean, what, it's a it's a Florida concealed carry permit. Yeah, but there there are some states who say we'll, for instance, we'll honor a Florida permit, or we'll honor permits from other states, but only if they're issued to people in that state, not to people who've gotten a permit from that state from another state, non-resident. Some states yeah. do have that provision. Okay, well, that's that's what they're telling me that that this this state has. Now, uh, the question is, is that their position that they don't honor any uh, out of, any non-resident permits? Well, I don't know about that. I, I just I just can, asked about the Florida one. Can, now, can you get an in-state permit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have one of those. Oh, okay. But but the, the, the reason I got the Florida permit in the county that I live in, when, they, when the law passed, they held up for s- several months. They wasn't given uh, out. Yes. Sure, I understand. But you now do have you do have a state permit, right? Yes. yes. So you're okay yes. in your state. You know what? And if you have a Florida permit now, that's also good in more than half the states. So, you know, you've got a benefit. But it's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because people who are getting Utah or Florida uh, non-resident permits may find that some states won't honor it because they'll honor the Florida permit. But only for Florida residents, and so it's a it's an excellent point. And I'm glad you brought it up. I appreciate you letting me have a chance to address that, Joe. Let's talk to uh, Justin, line three out of California. Hello, Justin. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I wanted to find some information about legal AR-15s in California, whether it's just with the ten round fixed magazine or whether you can buy a off list lower receiver. Let's well you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna confess that I don't know for sure. I know you've got the ten round limit there. I don't uh-huh. live in I don't live in California and I I'm just gonna add thank goodness. Uh <laughs> because I live actually in a free part of the United States of America. Uh right. but I, I know it's a ten round limit. I don't know what the other aspects are and I just I can't address it because I don't know the details of the California state law there. Okay. Do you know of any websites that might be sure, that California Rifle and Pistol Association can help you out. If you just do a okay. Google search for them, they'll fix you right up. Or for that matter, just call uh, or go talk to any gun store. Any gun store okay. can, can help you out, okay? Okay, all right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate that. Martha's on line four out of Houston, Texas. Hi, Martha. I'm uh, 75, and I have a carry license for a number of years. Getting ready to renew it. 
but I've got arthritis in my hands pretty bad, and I have a Glock 45, and I just can't manage it anymore. What is your suggestion for what I should do next? What is the uh, the problem? What are you having a problem with when you say you can't manage it? I can't load it. Can't work the slide? Right. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll say, you know, there are some different ways, some techniques for how to work the slide, uh, you know, and that might be able to help you. But honestly, you may not be able to work it. But I tell you what, you'd have to go. Have you ever considered a revolver? Yes, but I'm. I'm licensed for automatic, and that's what I'd like to keep. Okay, okay, I understand. The only thing I can think of, among two things, one is, let me ask you, when you're working the slide on your automatic, do you pinch the slide and try to pull it back like you're pinching it like a slingshot? Uh, No, but I do have a tool that helps to load it. Now, what but is it's just a matter I'm loading sorry, the but, is, is is it loading the magazine? Is that the problem? Yeah, loading the magazine is my problem. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there are some tools that will help, but yes, sometimes that can be a little tough. Now, here's the other thing. You know what? If you've got a Glock 45, you don't have to load that magazine all the way up. It's the last three or four that are difficult to get in, right? No, actually, uh, now I have trouble loading all of them. And you know what else? That gun is pretty big for uh, it is. steel. Yeah, it is. And, it's, it's large. And I'm thinking maybe uh, since I'm getting ready to renew, I ought to renew with a different gun. I'm Okay, I'm going to make a suggestion. Uh, I'm going to suggest that you downsize a little bit. Smith & Wesson has a gun called an M&P, uh, just the letters M and P. And I'm going to All suggest right. I'm going to suggest you consider getting a nine millimeter. Those okay. magazine those are newer style. They're easier to load the magazines, and also the guns uh, they have smaller grips on them now than they did when Glock brought that out. Much much right. more compact guns. Okay. I'm going to ask you if you would go to a gun store and get mm-hmm. your hands on one. Don't buy one until you've right. you've had a chance to feel it. But go there and ask them if they have a Smith and Wesson M and P, and then. Ask them to put the small grip on for you. They've got a, a back panel in the back, and they'll replace that. Put the small one on and put it in your hand and see how you like that. I think you're going to like how it feels, and then actually try to load the magazine. See if it works. And if that one works for you, I think that's the one maybe you ought to go uh, qualify with or if you need to requalify at all. I wish you luck with it, Mark. I hope that works out for you. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Tom Gresham here. Be right back with more gun talk. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, high caliber talk radio. Hey, we're back with you. Tom Gresham here. Our number is 866. Talk guns. Talk about, well, guns, shooting sports, getting people into shooting, going out and do, trying new things, doing fun stuff. I was just at the field sport wing shooting school. I didn't actually go through the school. In fact, we'll be bringing in somebody who did go through the school here for too long. Uh, but in the course of this thing, I was shooting video. Yesterday, I was getting impact tested, If you and it's not the same as a full gun fitting, but it's pretty close. And having watched the school for two days, I cut to the chase. What I realized was that 
I have been shooting a shotgun incorrectly for the last 40 years. If you will, this is a group participation exercise, okay? Here's what you got to do. If you will, put your hand up to your cheek or your chin, actually. You know, we have chin bones there, you know, as in Faye Dunaway type chin bones. Not all of us have those, but if you lay your hand against your chin bone, uh, cheekbone, correction, cheekbone, um, that's where a gun stock ought to rest. Your cheekbone should rest on the comb of the stock of a shotgun. Because I shoot left-handed, and because most guns are set up for right-handed, and the stock is either straight or bent for right-handed shooters, the only way I can get my eye to line up with the barrel of the gun is to roll my head to the left so that my eye gets over the barrel, and now my eye is lined up with the barrel. In order to do that, I couldn't mount the gun the to my cheekbone. I was actually putting the stock of the shotgun on my cheek bone, not my chin bone, down along my cheek. And after you shoot for a while, get a big old raspberry, a big mouse up there, because you're getting beat up. And they basically did a quick gun fit, looked at that and says, boy, you got a problem there. And I started trying it their way. Now I got to learn to shoot all over again. I think it's going to be worthwhile, but it's not going to be easy to unlearn 40 years of gun mounting. And it's interesting because they addressed that. They said, this is a great school. It's uh, Brian Belinsky is the lead instructor with Michael McIntosh, probably the best writer about shotguns and shotgunning in the last 30 years. And also uh, Larry Cavallaro, really a good instructor who I had not met before and was very impressed with him. Uh, but they talked about drilling and muscle memory and they said you know if you will practice your new gun mount after you have learned how at a school or with good instruction it takes 27 consecutive days of practicing this before it becomes muscle memory 27 is the magic number so i guess i start today i have a month's worth of work to drill this thing but it was an eye opener for me i've been doing it wrong all this time pretty interesting stuff Brian is on line two out of Anderson, South Carolina. Hello, Brian. Hi, Tom. Quick question. I'm I'm getting the itch again, and uh, I've never owned a Glock and, and would like to. And, and two of them I'm looking at. One of them's a 17L with a 6-inch barrel and 9mm, and then I believe the other's a Model 34 with a 5-inch barrel, which are much longer than the norm. Mm-hmm. And in each case, I, the, it just... It seems really attractive to me having the longer sight radius. You know, concealment's not even an issue. Okay, I was just going to ask you, what's, what's the intended use? Is just for shooting, just practice? Just go or? to the range and try to knock the center out even at there you 50 go. yards. There you, you go. You know, step back a little bit. I mean, is there an advantage to these longer-barreled uh, Sure. Oh, yeah, there, clearly there is. A longer sight radius makes it easier to shoot uh, a handgun, without a doubt. It does not make, and this is important, it does not make the, the handgun more accurate. If you put it into a vise, a 3-inch barrel gun is just as accurate as a 6-inch barrel gun. Okay. What it does, though, is the, long, the longer the distance between the rear sight and the front sight, the easier it is for you to shoot it well. It's why a rifle is easier to shoot than a handgun. Have you fired either of these? I have shot, I shot a lot of rounds through a regular Glock 17, but not the long barrel. Okay. And I have not shot the 34. Now, the 34 is specifically made primarily for IDPA shooting. It has a longer barrel, the 5-inch barrel, but it will go inside the IDPA box. 
which uh-huh. is a that has to fit inside the box. If you want the long barrel, and if you're not going to shoot IDPA competition, mm-hmm. I would say go with the longer barrel of the two. Yeah. Go with the 17. Yeah, I think maybe that's why the 34 has adjustable sights then, and I, I think the 17 yes. is still fixed. Exactly. It is a, uh, I mean, the 34 is a practical, tactical, if you will, uh, gun, It's but it's specifically made so that it will fit within the rules of IDPA competition okay. shooting. Okay. I wondered why the difference, only an inch barrel length, but the one's adjustable yep. and the other isn't. That, that's it. And, of course, okay. you, you can always, you know, you can tweak and do things to the, the sights on your 17, but... If you like the idea of the long barrel, heck, get the longest one. Yeah, yeah, I do. I really do. I just, I would think it'd just be a little bit more fun, you know, something that's always in a canvas bag, you know, at the range. Not sure. Well, you know, th- this definitely falls into the category of why not. If that's what you want and you have the wherewithal to do it, buy it and then just go shoot the dickens out of it. All right? All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Something on your mind? Fire away. I've been on the local police force for 10 years now. I've stayed away from different gadgets and gimmicks that were supposed to improve my shooting. A few months ago, when I was at the range, another officer was using Crimson Trace laser grips. I have to say, I was pretty skeptical at first. Well, he let me shoot his gun, and I couldn't believe how fast and accurately I could hit the target, even in unconventional positions. At that point, I became a true believer and bought a set for myself. They were simple to install and easy to use. Crimson Trace laser grips are not a cure-all. But when my life depends on it, that red dot clearly identifies my point of aim, especially in low light conditions when most shootings occur. You could say it helps bad guys make informed decisions. Get to your favorite gun shop and try a set today. Or contact Crimson Trace for a free catalog at the location of a dealer near you. Call 800-442-2406 or visit their website at crimsontrace.com. Lots of people are interested in handgun shooting, but they don't know how to get started. First Shots is a new program designed by the National Shooting Sports Foundation to do just that. But NSSF needs your help. Right now, many newcomers are looking for seminars, but there just aren't enough. So if you're an active shooter, a range owner, or a firearms instructor, log on to FirstShots.org and get involved by hosting a First Shots seminar. At FirstShots.org, you'll find everything you need to get started. If you hunt big game, you demand clothing that is quiet. At Browning, we understand this. However, before the Browning label goes on, we require much more. Things like freedom of movement, made possible by the no-seam shoulder construction and waterproof protection guaranteed by fabrics like Gore-Tex and Prevent. We add special features like expander pockets, molded shoulder strips, watertight neoprene cuffs, and a mesh barrier strip at the bottom of the coat to prevent water from wicking up into the lining. Go to Browning.com to see the full story. Browning Clothing, the best there is. Kimber 1911 pistols are the choice of America's best. LAPD SWAT tested five major brands and chose Kimber. The USA Shooting Rapid Fire Pistol Team trains for the Olympics with a Kimber. U.S. Marines from Central Command carried Kimber. Most recently, the LAPD Special Investigation Section, or SIS, chose Kimber. If you want the best pistol, choose a 1911. If you want the best 1911, choose a Kimber. Visit KimberAmerica.com.
All right, welcome back to Gun Talk, 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Line one, Michael's out of Tupelo, Mississippi. Hello, Michael. You getting a little rain yet? Uh, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Be here for a couple more days. I guarantee you, just uh, hunker down, because here it comes. It is. I've uh, been that way for several days here and got about two more to go, they say. Uh, quick question, though. I got in, I'm a gun shop owner and a mm-hmm. uh, active competitor in uh, tactical rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got in here late today and barely did catch Andrew with Trisha Con. Uh, but uh, you had a customer call in that uh, was concerned about his dot being too big on his site. Right. Uh, he didn't completely say exactly which model he had um but uh my question is can we get you to use some of your leverage and pull as high and mighty as you are to get trisha con <laughs> to make a smaller dot boy you're, you're you're giving me a lot more credit than i actually deserve uh because i noticed that andrew didn't take the bait either he was uh now the, the specifically the caller was asking about the red dot site that's the little bitty like the one ounce uh site looks kind right. of like the, like the doctor optic kind doctor of deal. Optics. I am currently running a uh, RX-01 Reflex, which has the uh, 4.3, 4.3 MOA dot. Okay. And uh, we can use this dot to engage 8-inch plate to 200 yards easily. Um, it is a great sight close in, but a lot of the customers, they always complain that the, the window's a little small. Mm-hmm. And Trisha Khan has addressed that with the RX-30. Uh, which looks like a super optic. It's what I'm looking for. You've got to love no batteries. Uh, but the six and a half MOA dot is going to be a little big when you're shooting eight and ten inch plates at two and three hundred yards. Uh-huh. Even though the, even though there's no magnification, it's still possible with these non-magnified optics to, you know, put what you would basically say a precise shot, you know, sure. on, a, on an eight inch plate at two hundred. Right. But, uh, the six and a half is going to cover up your, your target. Um, ask them to make something in the two, Two dot two MOA range or even the one. You know what? I'll I'll ask them. I'll bring it out, bring it up again because uh, I see what you're saying. Of course, I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, if you need that much precision, go with a, a scope. Right. And, you know, and, and I get that. I understand that. But what you're saying right. is, you know, you can get the speed of a reflex sight, and you know, you'd still like to have the, practice, the precision. Yeah, with practice, you can still do it. Uh, just we're going to shoot the Steel City Tactical match this Saturday in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And on one stage, we will start out with targets as close as seven yards. Uh, you may go through a doorway, clear a few more, go out the back, go up to a berm, and you will have targets at 200 and 300. So you could be shooting uh, anywhere from seven yards to two or 300 yards. To, in, in the same stage. Right. Um, very easily. And uh, with the right size dot, something in the two MOA range, uh, this site will fill you know, both bills. Um, and would also like to know, um, you know, it's not the best thing at longer ranges, right. but they're still capable of doing it. Um, well, and, and as we know, uh, when you're trying to use one site for all of that, it has to be a compromise. It does. Yeah, and, okay. Um, I, I know Trish kind of loses some sales here in my shop because their dots are too big. There's really only two other major players in the game when it comes to these heads-up, you know, style sites, right. uh, both of which make some smaller dots. Um, last week, I literally lost three sales on the Trishicon to their competitors because of dot size. Huh. Um, just something for them to look at, but I think the market is starving for a good Trishicon reflex with a two and a half maximum, you know, MOA dot. Right. Uh, my last question is, how do you like your RX 30 as far as, I, I, you gotta love the window size that they put on this it's thing. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, um, you know, you literally, and it's kind of hard to explain it if you can't see it. And I know you know what I'm talking about. To, to explain it to somebody who's not seen it, you literally just put the rifle up or the carbine up to your shoulder, 
and the dot appears. The window is so huge on this site. Uh, at first, I thought it would be a problem because I was used to the little, the smaller reflex. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is going to be like a big old Coke can on top of the, the rifle. It doesn't appear to be that way at all. It doesn't bother me in the least. Uh, but the speed and the ease of finding the dot when you throw it up is, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you how much I like it. They sent me a prototype, an early version. And I just told them, I said, I'm sorry, but you're not getting this one back. Not getting it back. Yeah, uh, they did, and I still have it. They're not getting this. Unless they send a different one to replace it, I'm keeping this one. What about um, contrast in different lighting conditions as far as bright sunlight or lower light? Uh, I think you have the same issues you do with any red dot site. If it's really bright out, it takes, at least it takes me. Now, understand, I've got older eyes and never did have great eyesight anyway. So, I mean, I'm in my uh, middle 50s now. And it takes me just another one beat to pick up the red dot in bright outdoor sunlight. I don't know. What do you find? Uh, it depends. You know, the RX, the RX-01s, uh, they sell some polarizing filters with them. Um, luckily, I'm not quite 40 yet, but uh, I, I still don't have too much trouble with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer a larger window, and this RX-30 has really got my attention. It's just the big 6.5 MOA dot because I know I'm going to engage targets from literally point blank, possibly right. you know, out to 200 every time I go shoot a, a match. And uh, I'm in a rural area here. I own a lot of land where I have my range. Um, I may be out. You know, may if I get into a conflict out in the middle of nowhere, then mm-hmm. I want to be able to see a target. You know, luckily it's going to be harder to say that I've got to run at 100 yards than to get in the gunfight. But let me, let me uh, ask it you may a be question. a coyote. You never know. I just had an idea, and I don't. I, not having done this, this is just a wild idea. Has anybody that you know of played with the idea of sighting it in so that at 200 yards, you're putting the target on top of the red dot? I have not tried that one yet. We've done it with their Chevron reticles, right. uh, which is basically an inverted V, mm-hmm. and the triangle where you use the the tip of the inverted V for your right. precise aiming point. Right. Uh, but they get a little too busy close in. It's just too much going on. I just think that if you, if you sight it in that way up close, the obviously the big dot doesn't matter because you're shooting at something at literally point blank range. Right. Uh, out far, if you had it set up so that you could see the target. On top of the dot, basically had it just rest on top of the dot. That way, you would not obliterate uh, the target with the dot itself. I just, I don't know. I'm just playing an idea. Just, uh, one other thing, a lot of your callers uh, talked about the price point to the Trisha cons. Right. Uh, tell them to have no fears. They are worth every penny of it. Really? Um, uh, anything Trisha Con makes, everybody says they're a little pricey, but uh, you get what you pay for. And, um, you know, as a general rule, they say, Spend as half as with a minimum half as much on your optics as you do on your rifle, and mm-hmm. if you spend as much on your optics as you did your rifle, you'll replace a barrel before you have to replace anything generally. Um, but uh, Tristacon is a little high; it's not for everybody. But uh, they're tough as nails; you cannot tear them up with a you know with a ball peen hammer. <laughs> you know, I'll try not to take a ball peen hammer to mine. Listen, I appreciate the call and the info. Give that a try and see if that works out. I'm just it's an interesting idea. We'll play with that. Also, in the meantime, I'm going to talk to them and just see if it's possible, you know, physically for them to make a smaller dot on those. If so, maybe we'll come up with a a gun talk uh, model of that for you. Our number is 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. Yeah, we're reloading. We'll be firing right back.
right, we're back with you. Tom Gresham, 866-TALK-GUNS. Um, yeah, we're putting some new videos up over at Gun Talk TV. It's guntalk.tv on the Internet, and we've got some cool stuff there. But also a lot of the older stuff is, I say old, It's <laughs> the site's only a year old, so nothing's very old. Uh, we have about 350 videos up right now. So we can definitely help you out with you're trying to figure out something about shooting, getting into shooting, buying a gun, what's the difference between a rifle and a handgun, uh, advanced tactics for malfunction drills, whatever it is you want, uh, we probably have it there. Uh, along those lines, let's jump down to line one. Joe's with us out of Dallas, Texas. Hey, Joe. Yes. Uh, the officer talked about uh, stove piping, and I, I think I may know what that is, but I'd like to know, uh, get a little more clarification on it. Okay, sure. As a matter of fact, we I think we have uh, uh, one or more videos about that at the GunTalk.tv website. But stovepiping is one form of malfunction with a semi-automatic firearm. What happens is the – and the reason it's called that is the fired case, the empty case, is captured in the ejection port. When the slide comes back, it doesn't kick it all the way out, and it's stuck there. And this empty case is sticking straight up, uh, caught in the gun, looks like a stovepipe. So oh, it's okay. just sticking stuff in the air. And what causes that more times than not is not having enough resistance, not a good firm hold on the gun, so that when the fi- gun fires, your hand actually comes back with the gun, and now the slide didn't have much to work against against the spring and actually work the action, so you're actually kind of giving with the gun. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, okay. so the, the solution to that is to get a – and sometimes that's called limp-wristing. Uh, you hear people say, well, he probably limp-wristed that one. Well, that's just not giving enough resistance to the gun. The solution to that is to have a good firm grip on the gun, and if you're shooting one-handed – and practicing, particularly if you're shooting offhand, like you're, if you're right-handed and you're going to shoot off the, with the left hand, turn uh-huh. turn your body a little bit. Turn your shoulder toward the target. Stretch your arm out and lean into the gun. That way you've got your whole body as resistance against the recoil of the gun, thus giving the slide something to work against. So you, you kind of work your body around and lean into that gun and put a good resistance behind it, and you'll pretty much eliminate it. If you get a stovepipe, you know, there's a, a, a very simple drill for working that to clear the malfunction. So, and we have uh, examples of that on the website also. Will it do? Will it do damage to your gun? No, not at all. And uh, it takes. Uh huh. Go ahead. The reason I ask that, my wife had it happen to her, and uh, the factory uh, uh, sent her a, a label to send it in, and they replaced the barrel and the. Uh, uh, the eject- is it the ejector? The uh, well, then she had something uh, else happen. That wasn't just a stovepipe. Did oh, really? did something? I mean, did something else happen there? Well, it it just it jammed several times, and we didn't know why it jammed. And and they uh, is that called a, a an ejector or a? Uh, now, what it, could, else would you call it? it could be. Uh, see, this could be caused by a faulty ejector or extractor. Um, extractor, that, yeah, they, yeah. They replaced they replaced the extractor and the barrel. So uh, I, it, I, it must have been defective. It was it was kind of a okay. new gun. 
That and that happens, but generally speaking, it's caused by the operator error. But yes, it can be uh, mechanical, which sounds like it was the case in the case of your wife. Listen, I apologize, but we're up against our clock here, which means we are at the top of the hour, and it is going to. Uh, they're going to go to commercial no matter what we do. So I got to get ready to get out of here. But uh, absolutely, the stovepipe uh, malfunction. We cover that over at GunTalk.tv. And once you learn how to clear them, it's real easy. And actually, it's kind of fun to do the malfunction drills. You do the tap rack, and you can clear that thing almost anywhere. Tell you what, I've got another hour of this. If you want to get in line, call us, 866-TALK-GUNS, 866-TALK-GUNS. I'm Tom Gresham.